Hey everyone, before this podcast begins, we want to tell you about some other arts-related podcasts you're going to love. They are The Conduit Music Podcast, Artsville, Gringo and the Man, Art World Horror Stories, and Not Real Art. On these action-packed podcasts, you'll hear experts talk about creativity, design, the music biz, the art world, visual art, American craft, Chicano art, street art, graffiti, and even stand-up comedy. So be sure to find and follow these great arts podcasts today. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Warning, the Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations, my creative brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast, where we celebrate creative culture and the artists who make it. I'm your host, Sourdough, coming to you from Crew West Studio in Los Angeles. Listen, I'm going to skip all the normal promotional stuff, and we're going to get right into this episode. It is an incredibly poignant, powerful one, because we have the uh, one and only Olga Savarina. Olga is an incredibly talented Ukrainian designer and artist. Uh, with her PhD in visual design. Uh, I met Olga last night at an event. Uh, she was born and raised uh, in the Ukraine in Haikov, uh, an incredible uh, creative community, rich in terms of creativity, and art, and design, music, and culture. Uh, she moved to LA about 10 years ago, 11 years ago with her family, but she still has friends uh, there, of course, in the Ukraine who are hiding in basements as we speak, uh, hoping not to be killed. In fact, as we were conducting this interview, Olga's phone was going off uh, with her friends texting her from basements in Haikov, Ukraine, communicating with her directly in real time. Before we were recording, Olga told me a story about her friends trying to escape uh, in their car. And because the roads were littered with shrapnel of glass and metal and concrete, they blew a tire, pulled over to change the tire as missiles and bombs were flying over their head. The scene there is horrific, the war there is criminal, and Vladimir Putin is to blame. Those of us as artists and designers, it's hard to f- sometimes know what to do, but Olga, through her organization, PosterTerritory.com, has created an incredible program for us to get involved. Please go to PosterTerritory.com, follow the links to download creative assets uh, and tools uh, to, so that you can design your own poster for protest and peace. Uh, and upload it to the global exhibition that she and her fellow uh, Ukrainian designers and artists are creating. And you can participate. We can participate. There is also incredible posters that are already there for you to download and print and exhibit in your community or share on social. We must help Olga uh, promote this on social so that it can go viral. and We can continue to raise consciousness and awareness about this war crime. The story is incredibly poignant. Speaking for myself, I don't know what it's like to live in a war zone, but talking to Olga starts to paint a picture and it's heartbreaking. So let's get involved. Let's do what we can. And without further ado, let's hear from the one and only Olga Severina. 
Olga Severina, welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast. Hello, Scott. Thanks for having me today. Olga, thank you for coming on. You know, you and I met actually yesterday for the first time, and we met through our mutual friend Francis Anderton um, at her event uh, there at the Helms uh, Design Center in Culver City. And uh, Francis had you come and speak about the important work you're doing um, for your home country, uh, Ukraine. And uh, as I understand it, uh, you were born and raised uh, in the Ukraine. Is that correct? Yes. I moved to, to LA actually 11 years ago. So, so just until recently, you were living in the Ukraine. Yes, correct. I actually, yes. yeah, I was living in Ukraine and I was working in Moscow. So it's really hard um, like seeing this happening just because I have friends on both sides and it's devastating well your story is so compelling and i'm so grateful that that you were able to make time today to come on i know there's so much going on and you know and and i know for you know folks such as myself you know we feel sometimes helpless and ho and hopeless like what can we do you know and so one of the things I wanted to have you on for is, of course, to help shed a light on the, the things that I can do, the things that we can do to help. And we'll get into all the great program, the, the program that you're building to help artists and empower artists around activate, uh, you know, act, um, uh, activism uh, around this. Um, you know, but we also, you know, last night when I was hearing you talk, I said, oh, boy, I want to have you on the podcast because we can at least spread the word through the podcast as to what is going on. But um uh, Olga, I want to start, though, um, with the most important question of all. How is your family? How are they doing today? Uh, well, luckily, my, f my family is here in L.A., and uh, my brother in Switzerland helping the refugees. So all, and I dedicate the past, my seven days, and my brother, we're doing whatever we can to connect people, to help our friends, the friends of friends. So it's just... Uh, help them to move to to safe place, women and kids, and it's just literally my job right now to do that, not to create stuff anymore. I can't work anymore. Uh, I can't focus on work while, while I know a lot of my close friends in trouble. So this is basically what we're doing right now. It's one part. Another part, it's so amazing how many how many warm words words of support i got past uh, 7 days from my american friends and it's really important for me and to see the support to drive free 10 freeway and see the huge light box huge advertising we stand with ukraine and this is just amazing and i want to see that more and more because what scares me a lot right now with all our fake news and the media channels in a few days and a few weeks we get used to this news we're gonna be like taking it like another syria another you know afghanistan all these terrible places where the stuff happened which is not the war it's not the answer the war it's not a solution the war it's wrong in 21st century. Well, and you meant you talk about the propaganda and the disinformation and the fake news. 
um, you know, propaganda and and disinformation has always been a part of of war um, on all sides. Um, this is the psychological warfare aspect of of, of these kinds of conflicts. Um, and you know, fake news has been weaponized uh, in so many ways, even in our own uh, country here, or in recent years, just around the general politics. Um, and of course, now we have a situation uh, there in Ukraine with Russia, and we have the media covering. We have the Western media covering it. Obviously, uh, the Russian people are hearing from state uh, media outlets whatever the state wants them to hear, so they may not even know the truth and probably don't know the truth. Um, you know, thank goodness, you know that we have the internet, we have social media. Ukrainians can get the information out into the world through video and through photographs, things like this. Um, Olga, talk a little bit about what we as Americans and what Westerners um, may not realize because because of the information, right? Because of the misinformation, like what do you what what do we need to know? What might we not know? What is the Western? I guess what is Western media getting right and getting wrong about the story right now? Well, uh, what I see on uh, American news and European news, it's pretty straightforward. That's pretty what I hear from people who are posting information videos. It just, to me, it's just so too personal. So because I got this news alive from my friends who were just under the, like in this building bombing right now, or they being bombed, they can't move, they don't have provision or all this kind of stuff that makes, makes this so personal to me. So uh, I honestly, I don't have a time plus more emotions to watch news right now because I have enough news in my life right now. So, but it is, it is always, uh, even here in the U.S., we see this propaganda on two channels and how, like, do, how it divides people. It's really, it, this is what we see here. So it used to be the same, it used to be this, like a little bit situation in Ukraine general was, really like like this kind of we were a little bit divided because part one part of ukraine used to speak more russian another part more like ukrainian but right now what i see it's one nation because it is no doubt we have to survive we have to stand for ukraine it's only one way to keep fight and you saw this in news, like families they moving kids and women to the border and they men came back and fight. This is this is unfortunately only one option we got because it seems like Ukraine take a, uh, it seems like Europe kind of like take a like helping, but they afraid. I think of the politics. It's really complicated, and I'm not. I don't want to talk about politics. I want to talk about creative people who are there. So this is why they don't have access to strong internet to and. Honestly, they, I think they just so empty. They just don't have uh, creativity anymore. It's a different mechanism. They, they are surviving. So this is why we need to support them in different ways. So what I see here, what I can do, we share, we share graphic art, which uh, we started promote. Uh, it's uh, the, we started, um, poster call, uh, stand with Ukraine. 
Uh, and you can find information on my platform, posterterritory.com. Um, we started this with um, our friends, uh, my, our partners, uh, the first block um, association in Ukraine. Um, it's a really big uh, event in Ukraine, started uh, in 1991 and named by the first block in Chernobyl, the name for this uh, big uh, exhibition and it was always focused on environmental topic and ecology but right and but right now we asking our friends designers all over the globe to participate to say it uh, to share so i asking creative community just find the link on a website find the folder with all these assets and you can participate as well as you can download the graphic art and share on your social media. It's only only thing we can do from here, plus we can support with donations. This is how I feel and what I do. Well, and that's that's such a powerful point, and I wanna I wanna focus on this just for a minute because what what I'm hearing is that you've created the tools to empower artists and creatives and designers around the world to create uh, posters for change, posters for activism, uh, po- posters for peace, um, and they can uh, uh, create the work. Uh, uh, you know, download the tools, download the specs, download the every all the assets they might need from your Google Drive or what have you. And then they can create their poster and then upload it to be a part of this uh, this um, pr- uh, program that will be you know printed and 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 exhibited um, guerrilla style maybe right uh, uh, across the world yeah correct yeah well the thing is uh, why it is a poster because poster speaks with people and I truly believe this is really the art that can change w- the world for better. And it is fast. If you talk generally about like architecture or like uh, sculptures or about art, it takes time to create it. With poster, with especially with our technology, it's really easy to create something and send it over for printing all over the world. And it's really fast. So this is why right now poster working and this is why i'm asking creative community just share this information plus use it just use the poster you already see on a folder with the designer name and share this uh, with your community that that is a that is such a powerful um program that you've created uh, Olga um you know as a designer and by the way we should just mention I mean you you aren't just a designer you're a true uh educator and expert you have your PhD in visual design uh this is your not just your job but it is your life it is your passion and it is your calling and so it only it obviously it makes a wonderful beautiful sense that you're able to leverage the, your your expertise uh, in this way. Talk to us for 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 those of us who um, maybe don't understand the power of design or the power of visual design, the power of graphic design uh, to drive change. You know, as an expert, talk a little bit about why you personally, given everything you've studied, everything you know. Why you believe that a truly compelling poster has the power to change the world? Well, if you see on the history uh, back to 19th, uh, 20th century, and if you see, if you know graphic art, or you uh, 
know a little bit like constructivism, futurism, and all these uh, art movements. We, this is how um, the art started to speak with people, random people, people who are not create like cre- creative people, and unfortunately, it's getting like. Uh, getting to propaganda for in some situations but basically this is the message the message the the message that, sh- that can change the world or s- stop you on the street because poster belongs to streets right now it's really hard especially in the US uh, the poster art not that popular as in Europe and uh, I think it's uh, historically happened like that. But generally, this is where placard, where poster, I'm telling placard because it's in Russia, in, in my language, because this is the poster needs to be, it needs to be seen. It, it yells, it cries, it speaks. So this is only, it has the strong message, the idea or words, strong words. So sometimes it's just one word and it's enough. So this is why I think, again, it's fast. It's a mobilized idea in a one flat sheet of paper. Yes. Or right now, mostly we, we're sharing uh, digitally everything. So this is why I think it's important because each and every poster, and you can see this on a folder, it's uh, it's really strong. You can feel how people feel, how they want to cry with us, you know, how they support us with this graphic. Yeah, it it, it is. It, it feels based on my sort of experience around graphic design and posters, uh, which is uh, um, superficial, I guess. But uh, the uh, the compared to yours, but the. Um, but the power of an iconic element, you know, distilled down to an essence that is um, powerful in its clarity around communicating an idea, right? Yeah. Um, and and boom, it hits you. You see it, it hits you. You get it. It's it's democratic. It's accessible uh, and um, and compelling. Correct, hundred percent democratic. It's a right word. What I use all, all the time. And plus, again, we ha- we right now we live in this uh, messages. We are sharing symbols, right, all the time. So this is our new language. When you put two hearts and color them blue and yellow, it's already you, you are talking about Ukraine. Or if you put uh, like thumb up, it's one thing. So this is our language started being a, a poster language, honestly, all around. And when you put the dove, you know it's about peace. When you say and put the eye, it's about how you see the world. These kind of stuff that already a part a part of our identity, a part of our visual uh, visual language and language generally. Yes, yes. So while we're talking about it, and I just you know because I want to repeat this throughout the show um, as we talk. Um, tell our listeners right now, so they can go right now while they're listening, um, go tell them where they can go, what website, where can they find the assets to start working and creating these posters? Yeah. Uh, it is poster territory, one word.com. And you'll see on the homepage, you'll, you'll see the, 
the call. It's in general, it's a great platform for all graphic design events and information about poster calls. If you want to participate and design something for d- different topics, but right now all of like the Ukrainian stay with Ukraine call is up, of course, and uh, you can read through all the specs and stuff. Then you there you can find. Uh, information um, and link to the drive where you can upload your art plus mm-hmm. you can download some uh, graphic that you like and share i also th- uh, looking for some um, partners always where we can show that on a street you know for some events we can be a part of other events for example like yesterday it was a lecture or it was the event and we can print, we can project. So whatever we can do to speak up, to share this graphic, uh, beautiful graphic art with the people, plus with this cause, which is so important right now, because you're going to be surprised how many people like saying, please like share this, uh, stay with us, just because this is how the world needs to see us needs to understand this is not like we are somewhere separate we're we, it's a middle and it's in the middle of europe right now happening mm-hmm. what what do you love best about your homeland it's beautiful beautiful country with amazing people a lot of my friends from all around the world they've been visiting us and this is a great experience that they had, and this is a beautiful, beautiful country. It's a, and it is heartbreaking to see it like this. My hometown, like Dresden in World War II, right now, like ruins. Where you grew up, what was the? Take us there visually. Describe the landscape. Is it is it mountainous? Is it uh, is it more of a of a of a prairie uh, sort of? Um, area um you know, what describe the landscape well it's it's uh, mostly european um uh, we have a uh, mountains on uh, uh, Karpaty um, mountains but i i'm from harkov it's the second largest city in ukraine mm, mm. Uh, uh, one and a half million population it's a really young city on the words of uh, students life because it's one of the biggest student city you know in uh, in ukraine it's a lot of universities a lot of academies schools art school beautiful creative community art community is one of the strongest in ukraine and everybody know the atmosphere when you're traveling in europe and you say you're from harkov a lot of creators art creators designers they know already they always said oh harkov it's such a wonderful art community or design community there and now all these artists and creators they are somewhere in a basement or uh, taking trains to polish poland so this is the pattern but it's amazing city it's a valley mostly uh was rich um food uh, avant-garde and food touristic ukrainian avant-garde mm. roots uh, it, visually speaking graphically speaking amazing architecture a lot of ukrainian baroque style plus classicism in the buildings plus uh, food tourism um interesting combination because close of the border and a lot of great architects and artists uh, work there too during the 20th century 
So you're a city person. You grew up in the city. And it sounds like an amazing city. Using my American terminology, I would, based on what what you're describing, I would say it sounds like a very hip, fun, cool place. Um, and uh, and and I'm guessing that uh, not just the art scene, but the music scene, all the culture there was incredibly inspiring. Yes, it's it's really cultural, strong cultural city with a like strong impact. You know, we always mm. know what. We always knew what to say their world and a lot of uh, a lot of really talented people right now they are just struggling and the whole nation really strong and talented this is mostly mm. i think it's one of our strongest thing that we have right now and this is how we we're gonna fight so you said the city was the second largest city in Ukraine. Is that correct? Correct. After Kiev. Mm-hmm. After so, so as I as I recall, I believe I read the other day that um, the Russians uh, military, the Russian military, now controls that city. Is that correct? I have to check the news, but mostly there is no people. It's no way you can escape. It's not that easy because everything broke, like everything destroyed. You can you can't easily drive to get to the train station because the tire and everything going to, I mean, it's not possible. So people are, people are, many people may be leaving on foot. They may be leaving on bicycles. They may be leaving on motorcycles because they can't, the trains aren't working and the roads are, are, are destroyed. They're just basically living under in the basements. In the basements. Yeah. Trying no literally. Way. Yeah. Like I'm not kidding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the one of the um, Western narrative, Western media narratives that you're hearing is that um, is that many of these Russian sh- soldiers um, f- uh, are confused and duped. They feel they you know they were young and they're confused, like they were duped. They didn't know they were going to war. That Putin, you know, did a bait and switch. I mean, that sounds very convenient uh, to me as a as a as a critic of Western media a little bit. I mean, do you think there's any truth to that? Do, to what extent do you think the Russian soldiers did or didn't know what they were about to do? Well, it's really hard to say, but it's just what I see. And I see cities destroyed, people panicking. I mean, after after I saw Kharkov as I, it is right now, it was obvious that it's a Nazi, like the Nazi style. Destroyed or like it's only one way what they... They had a goal to destroy people, to scare them, to take them apart. And this is like they destroyed the first Russian-speaking city in Ukraine. It's literally after they did this two days ago. It is no doubt it's a Nazist. It's, It's literally, it is what it is. What do... You, as a Ukrainian and your fellow Ukrainians, what do you know about Putin that Americans don't know? I mean, we have this Western media narrative, but um, clearly your perspective uh, and your experience as a Ukrainian who's also lived and worked in Russia, what what don't we understand about Putin? What's, what's driving him? What is this really about? I have, like... In this stage, I can't answer. I always, 
at least had a belief that it has a plan or like strategy. But he destroyed the Russian-speaking city, the one they were probably hoping to take over and see support in in a people, in some people, like old generation people. But I I don't see any logic anymore. Just the poor goal to destroy the country, to bear it, you know, just bury the people and country and take over and put the Russian flag there. I have no idea. I just don't ask me. I'm a, because I'm a creative person. I, I, I see stuff visually. It's really hard to see the world in 2022. We, we seeing these images. We, and we see these poor people and newborns in the basements and women in labor. Yes. Welcome to uh, 2022. They in Russia they they also lock down. I I can't imagine how people feel. It, it is really st- strong propaganda in Russia, unfortunately. But they also they had three media channels, the more like li- liberal channels, and they starting like shutting them down in in Russia so people it's uh, people going to be isolated even people who think and see the world as we see, see it's going to be harder for them definitely and it's uh, it's for years it's it's a hate it's, you can't do anything what what do you and maybe this is an impossible question to answer but what do you imagine that the Russian state media is saying to the Russian people about what is going on. Oh, it's such an easy thing to to say. The, it's huge propaganda. The whole idea that they wanna free Ukraine from Nazis. That's that's the state line in Russia yes. that they're All trying Ukraine. to free Ukraine from Nazis. Yes, and because they're so Nazis oriented. And they, this is the way how they want to free Ukraine, and it's a joke. Walking in a like in a, in a Facebook, like we don't have Nazis; they're all in Russia, <laughs> because this is what. Well, it's a sense of humor helping, and this is the one. Exactly. Yeah, Putin is the Nazi in this uh, equation. Um, yes. Clearly. It's- it's unbelievable. For the last, uh, for the last minute, we we were the the whole atmosphere was really strong, really dangerous past weeks, but we never even had in mind this is going to be that dramatic. I was, and even in in Russia media, this two channels left, a new new magazine, new newspaper. Um, I don't know how you uh, Nova Gazeta and another media. So and they can't even use word war. So they have to say special operation because they're going to be arrested and charged for twelve years. So and this is this is so hard because each and every Russian, like every second Russian in big cities, they have relatives in Ukraine. This is how we live. It's just nightmare. 
So with this, right, because with this propaganda around, oh, we're freeing Ukraine from the Nazis, yeah. the, the family members in Russia can feel as though their family members in the Ukraine, uh, you know, are, 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 um, are being saved. They're not being killed. They're not being hurt. But they're yes, being saved. Exactly. Yes. Upside down, literally. This is how you name stuff and uh, people start believing in that. This is only, and it's, uh, well, the problem is this is mostly we grew up with this mentality, you know, to listen, to have a leader or tsar, or like name it. So this is their reality. They live, they want to like be blind, like brainwashed. And because it's easier to, to live this life. And this is, was like years, decades, like this life and I just can't imagine, and it's a hu- it's million people living and believe that this is the real uh, special operation gonna free Ukrainians on their own soil, you know, on the, their own land. Well, what I see, I I I believe, and what I see, they're gonna fight for last, like for last. When you were growing up, Olga, when you were growing up in in Ukraine, um, what was the sense of of because I I I don't know I guess Putin came to power in what ninety three ninety four I I forget maybe ninety five. Um. So what was what was your sense as a Ukrainian growing up about Putin? Um, what has he, has, it was, it was his, it was his reputation in Ukraine, um, always as this sort of Nazi character or is, has this evolved? I mean, has he devolved? I mean, what, take, take me through how you, um, your perception of Putin over the decades, um, as, a, as, okay. yeah. I think he, um, he, he started like, in uh, he started being president around 2001 or 2002 okay. if i'm not mm-hmm. mistaken mm-hmm. i could be mistaken anyway um but it wasn't like that so after i'm gra- i graduated from uh, harkov design school art and uh, our academy in harkov i'm i traveled to moscow and i used to i used to live in moscow and work in moscow because it was kind of uh, our Kharkov strategy. We were too close to Moscow, so and it was more perspective city for better career, better yeah design and uh, education. So this is mostly my generation, and it was two thousand four. So this is like I moved to Moscow, worked there, um, got experience. I like had a really worked with really great poster exhibitions, uh, the Golden Bee, Golden Bee, and it's our friends there. Um, so and then at some point I decided, well, it's Moscow's really t- tough uh, city to work and live the life and enjoy it really so i came back and i was working in kiev and harikov traveling a lot so this is basically my background um but after like i i would say 2005 
what I saw, a lot of students, they started moving to more to Kiev and have a career there. So like the moving families to Kiev, not to Moscow. So it's kind of started like different way. Um, this is why there's a lot of relatives from Russia and a lot of my friends, they still living there because of these connections. Um and it wasn't like that. It wasn't that strong, the agitation, all this propaganda. But I would say from 2010, it started being like step by step, little by little. So people not realize it, you know, even like, and right, it's a machine. So it's a strategy to, to get there where we are right now, I would say. It's just a whole strategy. From 2010. And you moved to Los Angeles uh, 10 years ago. So around 2011? Uh, uh, 10. Uh, 2010. I, I, I graduated with my PhD and then it was the, like a last mm-hmm. step for me and I moved here. So you left Ukraine because you were concerned about the political um, situation? Or did you come no, to Los no, Angeles because- for, for professional uh, uh, reasons? It's more simple. I just got married. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. It happens. It's yes, classic, but, you know. Yeah, yes, yes. Classic Ukrainian situation. <laughs> Ukrainian <laughs> girls. Oh, <laughs> uh, what a what a what a beautiful uh, moment! Let's let's yeah let's let's remind ourselves here that uh, that there's love in the world, right? And uh, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. well, your your husband is a lucky man. How did you guys meet? Oh, well, it's even like, this is what I'm saying. The world getting smaller. We met in Prague through the friends. (laughs) So it's just small world. We've been traveling. It was five years, six years of long relationship because I was in Ukraine and he was here. So this kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I never heard, I never even had in mind that something like this could happen. And all my friends just really in shock. Mm. It's what a is big the trauma. what yeah so yes 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 um and and so when when your friends there uh look to the west um whether it's the United States or NATO or what have you um I'm guessing they feel as though uh we're not doing enough I don't know what 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 is what is your sense of how they're feeling about the west right now I think like let's separate politics from people mm-hmm. because I like today morning I saw beautiful words like wonderful words words from my friend and they like they they were describing how Polish people how European people waiting for them on the stations with this food uh, SIM cards. Uh, trying to help like you move with kids from the train and every 10 uh, feet it is the stand and they're giving you something like this that they want to like putting like envelopes with money with the notes with the hearts like they're doing everything they can like literally like brothers Uh, it's so touching you know for people who've been struggling and uh, like seeing the world like they saw when your world collapsed and my world collapsed, it's never going to be the same anymore. And it just happened like this. So it's so touchy. 
how Europeans really take the refugees and take us as a family members, literally. Uh, and politics, it's it's more, not my expertise, um, strong expertise um, part. And I think they don't doing enough. And part of me, I understand why. Because as far as they move, it's World War Three, officially. So this is really terrifying to see how they're ready to to build and to wait on like killing Ukrainian people and destroying the whole cities, beautiful cities, wonderful cities with rich history. I don't know. It's really hard to understand. Olga, you said something a minute ago, I think that was really important and powerful, which is this idea of separating the politics from the people. Um, because of course, you know, governments are going to say or do whatever governments are going to say or do. Um, uh, and, and one can, if we've lived long enough, we know that there's a, a good reason to be, uh, cynical and critical, um, and suspicious, but, um, but when it comes to the people, um, you know, we find hope. Um, and this is such a, a, a wonderful, uh, what you're talking about in terms of, you know, polls waiting to help or other, um, you know, f- uh, foreigners, uh, you know, trying to help Ukrainians, um, get out of the country and find safety. Uh, that that's, that's such a powerful uh, image because I, I think that that's for me anyway, and, and anyone listening, I, I, I hope they, they can also separate the politics from the people. Um, because yeah. by the way, the flip side too, is to be fair, right? There are countless Russians who obviously if they knew the truth would be completely, um, uh, um, um, distraught uh, and and angry. Um, uh, the, the, those Russians today who who do have a sense of maybe uh, the the the, um, the 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 corruption here uh, are, are 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 rising up, and of course Putin squashing those protests. Um, so so it's so important to separate because this it, you know, and again, like you, I'm no expert <laughs> about politics or anything, but but based on what I ascertain. Uh, my sense is that this is all about Putin and his ego and his in his um, in his power uh, and his corruption. Um, and this is not really about the Russian people at all. No, exactly. This is why he's doing it right now. But the whole shame, this pain, gonna be on Russian people generally because people, a lot of people, can separate politics from people. And they're not they it's not their war. They don't want this. Um, it's really it's really hard to imagine how they feel. And they're afraid. Because as far as you go, what I read on the Russian these Russian medias, as far as you go to protest, they take all, they take your kids away from you. It's literally they they're saying they're gonna uh, take your kid to foster care, foster family, if you go protest. So just to be clear, the Russian government is telling the Russian people that if they protest against this special they're operation... They're not telling that. They're not telling that, but what I read, it's a lot of, like, some. they arrested some women with kids, and they were charged for five, five years, and this is how they scare them. 
and this is on media channels that they took the kids and this like yelling we're gonna take it so it's just it's no law right now mm. plus uh, um, it's fear 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 and manipulation uh to 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 squash the the protest yeah plus the sanctions the sanctions put all people all people of in russia in really poor like they're gonna be poor they they can't take money from the banks anymore they just panicked literally and uh, do you think do you think and again again i i know that um <laughs> i know that this this question may you may not feel qualified to answer this question but just your your intuition and your feeling about the sanctions do you think that they will be um, an effective uh, tool uh, to 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 stop Putin, um, or do you think that it could backfire? And um... oh, well, I don't know. I really don't know. Like for because for our logic, it could help, right? For European logic, for people who live in democratic country, and but right now, I honestly can't imagine. I can't say anything anymore because. All what I see past seven days, it's unbelievable for me. So, yeah, I really don't know what to say here. Uh, this is craziness has to wait, has to stop. But I'm really afraid that it's not about. It's not easy to stop this madness. Right. This, this is why they. This is this. This is why they say. Yeah, this is why they say things like "war is hell," right? Because yes. uh, you can imagine, you can imagine that um, war is chaos, and there's nothing predictable about it. And you know, uh, one, you might, you might uh, deploy a certain tactic, but you may not get uh, the intended uh, reaction, right? Yes, it's. it's uh, I agree. I I, I agree. It's really hard to say what's gonna be ma- next move. Just you, you read the news yesterday about the nuclear yes. station. So it's gonna be six times bigger than Chernobyl, and it's this is gonna be like whole Europe. So it's just no logic. I don't see any logic anymore. You know, it's special operation to destroy their, like completely destroy the country, and I don't know. It is no logic. It's just craziness. It just it is what it is. Let's name it. It's just mm. madness. And ambitious. you know, one of the beautiful one of the beautiful things that I that I appreciate about your poster program um, is is the fact that I want to emphasize this because you, what you're telling people is that they can please to please find a poster or posters that uh that you like that resonate with you that that speak to you download them print them put them up uh, share them on social media so on and so forth like we have to get these posters and these images out into the world correct yeah if you have a space where i can print it or we can you can print it and put it on a wall put it on your car like whatever we can do it, it it's just it's worth it you know it's really important because uh, you should like I when I see flag somewhere or I see this word somewhere right now when I'm driving it's so touchy it makes me like understand like well, you're not alone 
fighting with this. And I also, all like, I went to protest last week um, in LA, and I sent this, sent over those pictures to my friends just to, to support, because when you there, and you start, like, losing this, you know, strong, like, beliefs, and this is what they need, to see support, to see unity and solidarity here. So I hope we can inspire others to help, to get involved, and to do whatever we can to stop this insanity, bring back, bring the world back from this prank. Olga, do you remember as a little girl the the, the first time that you saw a work of art that spoke to you? You know... I um I started drawing when like six seven I went to studio. Uh, well, the whole world, the whole Ukraine, it's so colorful, so beautiful. It's uh, it's different colors, different landscape, like different lines. I, it might be really famous, really amazing Ukrainian artist Maria Primachenko, and she. She's like an educated woman from the really small village in Kiev, next to the Kiev. And she was drawing, just Google her. Her work is, a, it's, it's a naive artist, but her work is amazing. Uh, one more time, Maria Primachenko. And you get, you're going to be amazed to see her animals, uh, these names for the work really funny, really, like, touchy, really makes a difference, you know. And she was, um, I, I believe, um, in the um, 2030s, um, it was a Soviet Union exhibition in Paris, and Pablo Picasso saw this exhibition back to that time and saw this Maria Primachenko was the f only one artist he was interested in. He he thought it's, it was amazing. So just fine, this is, like, this is Ukraine. This is what she was draw like drawing her art. This is she. She's like drawing the Ukraine, and you see people, love, colors, creativity. Everything is there. Spell Olga. Spell uh, the artist's name, please. Maria Primachenko. Maria, like with I, but if you. If even uh, if a different spelling a little bit and you from Ukraine into Russian, my I speak Russian more, so uh, let me spell it like Ukrainian. Maria, I think it's M Y R Y A, and the last name is P like Peter R I S H E K O Primachenko. But you're gonna see this like fantasy animals, flowers, mm -hmm. uh, episodes from life. People just, this is, she reflects the real people, people, naive people, people from mm -hmm. Ukraine. And, and this is just how we, who we are. Mm. And she inspired your, your passion and your career for, uh, for art say, and design. I would say like she was the more, and, it's a lot of 
uh, art and craft pe- crafts people mm. like keramic uh, people i always again Kharkov really creative um, city it's a lot of art studios uh, strong, like architects, uh, art school, design school. It's mm-hmm. one of the biggest design school in, uh, in in Ukraine. Kiev and Kharkov, and then Lviv. Lviv. So, hmm. where did you get your PhD? In Ukraine. Tell me about the uh, school. Uh, Tell me about your school. Uh, the school was founded in eighteen sixty three. And uh, it's uh, right now it's Ksada Kharkov um, Kharkov's design art and design uh, academy. Uh, so and it's really beautiful, amazing building, and it's like few like few buildings. Really strong art school and design school, uh, graphic design, interior design, fashion design. And uh, really wonderful teachers. If you want to teach something, you will. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's always what I say. Like, if you're desperate, if you're inspired, like, passion about something, you're going to take like grab everything you need there. So this was one of the reasons why I didn't go to study in Europe in some point, because I had really wonderful professors and great friends it was really amazing experience being a student mm. being free tell, tell me about tell me about your favorite teacher when you think about your favorite teacher who comes to mind well i have my two favorite professors uh, vladimir lesniak and oleg viklenko they all right now in kiev oh, i'm sorry in harkov they're all in harkov right now uh, so and uh, Professor Oleg Veklenka, he he's a founder of the fourth block uh, exhibition with the environmental, and he was a liquidator in Chernobyl. He liquidated this whole uh, tragedy, like all the building. He you can also find him and see his photos on Google. He did a lot of photos, drawings back to Chernobyl, and after he came back. Um, uh, to Kharkov after the this whole exp- terrible experience, he started this exhibition just to share with the world, and it's an international uh, graphic and poster exhibition that focus on. It's only one that focus on environmental um, and uh, ec- ecological uh, topic. The first block. So this. It's always inspired me a lot, and I, t- I. This is basically how I got involved in this poster stuff because I, mm. I was first I was a student, and then I was volunteering, helping him, and I ended up being a curator in this whole exhibition, and it was always great, uh, always amazing people. We were inviting designers, creatives to visit Ukraine to give a lecture to share the experience workshops. All this kind of stuff, exhibitions, it was always such a creative event for all of us to see different famous designers in Ukraine and in in Kharkov and enjoy this, like, always talking, sharing knowledge, creativity, everything. This is basically how I got my, um, (laughs) this is what I was studying. 
this is how you study. Actually, this is a really good point. And when I was I was teaching um, as guest lecturer in UCLA, Media Arts and Design um, this year, and this is what I told students that you can always use the computer and do the graphic, but mostly you need to feel how like how you can move it further, not just client to client, but create something that speaks up, like social something social that. Some, do some statement because this is what is design is about like it's your statement this is based in in my course uh there we've been designing posters for different topics like environmental topic then tolerance topic and at the end of the course the goal was to have this exhibition so i brought to the campus t the tolerance um, traveling poster exhibition with Mirka Ilik we in from New York and this is an international top star poster exhibition you can always find it on, online because it's amazing collection poster collection that traveling around the world so we presented this professionals with this topic and then we presented my students work on a different in a gallery space also uh, you can find this information also on the website poster territory and this was a great experience because they need to see this is not only on a computer screen because you need to print it put it on a wall and make it like you know like exhibit because this is what it is the art needs to be seen the graphic the poster Olga, before um, Putin invaded Ukraine uh, in this uh, horrendous uh, disaster uh, has had yeah. occurred, um, uh, as I recall, your uh, one of your passions uh, in terms of um, of uh, themes for your work uh, was to raise awareness and raise consciousness around environmentalism uh, and and sustainability. Um, uh, t talk a little bit about your work helping to save the planet and raise awareness uh, for biodiversity. Well, um, it was a part of my uh, PhD study, um, environmental movements um, in graphic art, basically. Um, so what we do, like last year, no, then COVID hit, but 2020, we started Biophilia poster competition with my partner's brand culture company uh, here uh, in LA and then I mean it was open call for international design community and back to that time we got more than 3,000 submissions it's uh, for this topic and if uh, long story short by Fila it's an idea of uh, coexistence uh, with between human and nature man uh, human and nature and this whole connection and philosophy how we live uh, how we need nature in our in design what's around us so all this concept of us being together and then the covid hit and so and we started like getting a lot of posters but i think the topic was so great and so in the right time because we all got stuck in our houses and we realized we need nature we need plants we need to to do something about us about us living in this planet so and we showed these posters outside we had a great opportunity to show it in atlanta twice 
uh, one in the um, in the center on the street, and another one we sh show these posters in the in the forest. Literally between the trees, we put the wire amazing. and these posters. Wonderful. This was amazing. Plus, people in the mask, they at least can could walk there right. and see the show. So, and then uh, Helms Design Center, Design District, um, Bakery District helped us to show this exhibition um, last year in the fall. So, yes, and uh, but before it was the topic, if I'm coming back, like biophilia, and then it's always something I'm promoting. I think we need to speak up for nature. We need to share our thoughts. And, and our nature needs... Uh, more help than never, ever before, right now. Because if if something happens with a nuclear station, I don't want to even think about it. I just, I mean, it's just speech. I'm just speechless because this is all what we trying to show. We were been trying to show to share about Chernobyl every time. Then uh, Fukushima happened, and again and again. And now we are where we are, and it's just. I have no words anymore. So I just, I don't know what and how we need to yell, how we need to cry, what graphic could speak. Any, because I'm, I'm, I'm missing something here. Every, like, because we've been, all this year we've been talking about Chernobyl catastrophe, tragedy, and then uh, Fukushima, we're just not that far from this and now, this threat, I don't know what to think anymore about the world. Olga, every, everything um, that we're talking about today and, and this very moment, um, whether it's uh, disasters like Fukushima or the environmental crisis that we are living in, or whether it's, you know, um, uh, war um, that, uh, yeah. that, that Putin has chosen to start, um, you know, it all feels so hopeless. Um, you know, there's the if, and yet we have to find hope, and yet we have to be hopeful. Um, where do you find hope, Olga? What gives you hope? I have two small kids. Mm. Well, it helps me a lot, and I wrote a post on my Instagram when this kind of start, the war started. I wrote like my kids are still drawing color. Like, like they have pencils and they draw colorful pictures still. So this, like, give me this hope. But it's really hard to imagine some of my friends, like, having the same age kids. And they're sitting in a basement with no electricity. And this is really hard, believe me. Especially when you know people who, like, right now and they're texting you right now. So this gives me hope, and uh, again, I I can't find, I can't find right now creativity to start doing something, working on something. But I think it's only one way. Just when you lose hope, it's it's wrong too. So you need to start doing something. This is why I think to design stuff, to create something that might help, that you can share, it's really important. So you not not get crazy. You just Olga, keep your you, mind, you know, focus. Yeah, 
Yeah. You mentioned um, your friends uh, there in Haikoff and other cities uh, who are texting you uh, and communicating with you. So just to be clear, uh, even this morning, even today, perhaps even during this podcast uh, interview, you are receiving texts from your friends in Ukraine hiding in basements. Yeah. Right now. Yep. Yes, there are some people who decided not, families decided not to leave. A lot of my friends luckily like moved and uh, like take a train right now to Lviv. But a lot of them there, a lot. It's like you should see every morning I'm open up Facebook and you see uh, the note. Uh, my friends are asking, Harkov, just put plus if you're still alive. And you can see like my like friends, family, friends, friends' uh, names. And they put like plus, 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 like like still alive, still alive, still alive. Because it's it's just bomb like bombing all the time those sounds you can't imagine well luck i don't know if it's a lie or not and it's really hard to trust but i heard they're gonna open green corridor for harikov maybe from other cities to leave at least women kids like old people i don't know this is well, a let, let's, reality. let's, let's, yeah, but well, but, I mean, it, but that, that's a little bit of hope, right? If that's true. And I know it's well, hard to believe, but. Well, but, what uh, I really, I really, I love my country like most than ever, they need this love. And I see how people helping each other, you know, mm. we would never like, we're going to stand. I, like I said before, they're going to, we're going to stand as a nation to the end and being together, helping each other. Plus, it's a lot of help from Europe. I mean, my my, my brother from Europe, he called, like, he said, like, my European friends, they're waiting in line to take refugees to their homes. Just, they're ready. They're sending me messages, like, whatever. Like, give me, I have to do something. This is this is really great this, to feel this. But... Hopefully, it's going to be more productive. Something going to happen, like green corridors at least. Or some, you know, you see this logic. Because of bombing nuclear stations, no logic anymore. Because it's going to be bad for nature and for not for Ukraine, for the whole world. And this is what really, really put us on a knees. Olga, if you... A few, few minutes ago, um, we were talking about hope and where to find hope. And um, I want you to know that you that the work you're doing and um, your love for your country and the love for your uh, country, men and women, um, it gives them hope, gives uh, creates hope. And um, I, I wish everyone in, in Ukraine knew could know uh, about you and the work you're doing because it would give them hope. And um, and and this conversation today and talking with you today has given me hope as well. And I hope that it's given our listeners 
um, hope as well. I know that um, that the tools that you've created and the resources you've created. I mean, you are not just being uh, you, you're actually you know you're 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 creating action and taking agency to to empower folks with tools and resources to help make change and to help activate and to help protest this 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 criminal war this this war criminal. Yeah, uh, Vladimir well, Putin. This is at least something small that I can do, because my goal just do something. Because uh, you can't just sit and watch. This is not the time. This is this is our fight. This is my personal fight, and I wish I could be there. You know, in some like right now, I feel so terrible just because I'm not there. I can't help there. I just talk, talk about opinion. that. Talk, talk, yeah, talk, talk about that for a second, Olga, because um, you know it, it must feel um, it, it, that must be one of the worst worst parts of it for you, right? Because you you're here, you're you're not there. Your friends are there. You want to help your friends. You can't be there. Um, it, that must be one of the hardest parts. If you if you could uh, uh, get on a plane right now and fly there, uh, I, I'm guessing you would do that. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be in a border somewhere in Europe helping them or like helping moving people to the border, like save people or like helping with provision, all this kind of stuff. Yes. yes. Definitely, because it's just speechless, you know. So this is why I do what I can and I wish I could do more. Like, yeah, all this, yeah. like, donation ha- uh, helping. I um, Even on poster territory, I created a button, donate, and I put different association that I know people. It's my friends who have, like, run these campaigns, run this, um, run this uh, uh, calls for donation for people in needs. So... Yes. I don't well, know Olga, as we, I, as we, as we, um, cause I want to be respectful of your time and I know you how busy you are and we're, you know, we're, we're going to wrap up here shortly. Um, uh, so, but before we go, uh, please tell our listeners where they can donate. Uh, that's a wonderful, uh, thing that you've done. You've created a button on the website for people to donate financial resources, uh, to, yeah. uh, yeah. So, so explain that talk, where can people go? Well, first, uh, first, it is uh, on the menu, donate button, button on the website um, where you can go. Add, 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 add poster, add poster territory com. Okay. Com. But you can find a lot of sources right now. Th- thanks God we have this uh, Red Cross, all the big companies. Who, um, so what I uh, we put together a list of links. So one of the link it's uh, specifically. Uh, Art Without Border Association were um, in Switzerland, mm-hmm. uh, and this is my brother association. He's helping. Usually, he's a musician, classic. Uh, he's a cellist, so usually he's mm-hmm. teaching, buying instruments for talented kids uh, mm-hmm. in different countries, and uh, helping uh, talented musician, young musicians. But now he's literally moving families from Ukraine, helping. Uh, refugees buying uh, stuff, medical supplies, everything. Uh, So it's his association. Another one, it's it's a hospital uh, in Kharkov where they are up in my hometown. And it is my friends run this this organization. And third link, it is just a list of 
different um, stuff that uh, different uh, organization you can don- donate and you can see specific like what they gonna do like this 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 like for med- for medical supplies for food and um, and like one thing then another thing like really organized this and this is what maze like you see how people acting and how they are together on that like how fast how fast they uh, wrapping up, changing, share the news, like helping each other. This is amazing. I, I think we're gonna, we will win. You know, this is like only one way. It's not another way. We Olga, I wanna, I wanna, history. yeah, I wanna, I wanna emphasize something that you said, and I think this is important because, of course. Um, you know, organizations like Red Cross and, um, you know, Doctors Without Borders, what have you, um, you know, these are amazing organizations, of course. Um, I don't want to criticize them in any way. But the reality is there are also uh, large organizations with a lot of bureaucratic administrative cost. And for every dollar donated, oftentimes a small percentage goes to the actual people in, 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 in the countries because, of course, the organizations have a lot of overhead costs. Um, I want to encourage people to donate directly through your organization because one of the things that um, I'm hearing that I really appreciate is that it sounds like the money or the donations that you're setting up, it's going very directly to people yeah. and to organizations there in really? the country on the ground. And so there's no, nobody's, you know, there's no over very little overhead or admin. I mean, it's going right to the source and, and that's in right to the people. And I think that's a very important thing. Cause I think most people who donate a dollar or $5 or a hundred dollars, they want it to go to the people. They don't want it to go to administrative bureaucratic overhead expenditures. And so um, mm-hmm. I just want to encourage people to, to donate directly through your organization. Yeah, whatever you can help, and again, again, and again. If you can download, or you don't want, like, you don't have a option, just share the spread the news, grab the poster, post it on your social media channels with a hashtag, whatever. Like this, this is this is powerful. This is what we can do from here. Olga Sarvenia, thank you so much for being on the Not Real Art Podcast. Thank you so much, Scott. Thanks for having me. It means a lot. Thank you. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Not Real Art Podcast. Please make sure to like this episode, write a review, and share with your friends on social. Also, remember to subscribe so you get all of our new episodes. Not Real Art is produced by Crew West Studios in Los Angeles. Our theme music was created by Ricky Peugeot and Desi DeLauro from the band Parlor Social. Not Real Art is created by We Edit Podcasts and hosted by Captivate. Thanks again for listening to Not Real Art. We'll be back soon with another inspiring episode celebrating creative culture and the artists who make it.